is going to be with uh, three professionals in public safety and myself. My name is Corey Allison. I'm a paramedic with Livingston County EMS. Uh, I'm also in school to become a community paramedic as well as an instructor coordinator uh, at North Central Michigan College. Uh, with me I have my uh, brother Casey Allison. He's a MSP trooper. Uh, he also is a detective for MSP. I also have Andy Keene. He's a road supervisor as well as a critical care paramedic uh, for Livingston County EMS. And I also have Ryan Dennett. He is our education specialist at Livingston County EMS and as well as a paramedic. Uh, if everybody can just go ahead and just in, uh, introduce themselves real quick, we'll start with Casey. Uh, tell us um, what you do, where you work, how you got there, uh, what kind of qualifications needed to get the job, and why you chose it. Uh, so, uh, like you said, I'm a, I'm a detective sergeant with the state police. Um, I work on a homicide team out of the city of Inkster. Uh, we supplement their detective bureau uh, doing homicides and non-fatal shootings. Basically, anybody that gets hit with a bullet, whether they live or die, we take the case. Um, in addition to that, I also work on the Violent Crimes Task Force out of Detroit, um, focusing on federal uh, violations of law. Uh, I have been with MSP for six and a half years. Uh, I started back in 2014. I joined uh, after a very short career in finance and uh, haven't looked back since. Um, Academy is 20 to 25 weeks long, depending on uh, holidays. And uh, it's a living academy that's pretty much the main credential. Um, to get where I'm at, uh, there's a couple schools. There's homicide school, there's basic investigator uh, a bunch of other schools that you can go to as well. Uh, use of force. Um, that's now, uh, working for an organization like the Michigan State Police, uh, you do have a, a bachelor's degree, but is it necessary to have one to work for MSP? No, for the State Police, it only requires a high school diploma. Any other outside training that you need to, to get in MSP? Nope. Physical training or anything like nope. that? Nope, everything is done through the state police. You have to go through their academy regardless of your uh, prior police experience. So if you want to join the state police, you got to start at ground zero, just like everybody else. Sounds good. All right, Andy, go ahead and give us a shot of what's going on with you. Well, my name is Andy. I have been in EMS now for 25 years. So... Um, Started my uh, EMS career as kind of a, it was a, I took my physical education requirement while I was in culinary school. I thought I was going to become a chef and uh, I took my medical first responder and somehow I got sidetracked and I went to paramedic school from there. So I started my career out in Ann Arbor working for Huron Valley Ambulance. I worked there for 12 years and then I Started working at Midwest Med Flight out of St. Joe's in Ann Arbor. I worked there for five years, and then the program shut down due to financial constraints, and eventually went on to work at Beaumont for their flight program. And 
somewhere along the line, I started working at Livingston County EMS, uh, kind of talked into joining their MICU program and community paramedic program. So I left the uh, flight industry and uh, came to Livingston County EMS and I've worked my way up to a road supervisor there. Can you briefly describe what MICU is? Uh, MICU, Mobile Intensive Care Unit, uh, it's critical care transport, so specializing in ventilator patients, uh, patients that are uh, on uh, vasoactive medications, invasive lines, uh, things that are outside the normal scope of uh, normal ground advanced life support ambulances. So similar to like a flight medic, but without the helicopter or airplane? Yes, yes, so the longer transport time. Ryan, give us a rundown. Hello. I, uh, I was working in the restaurant business, decided I wanted something else, something to be a little bit more uh, worthwhile. Got into an EMT program uh, back about 11 years ago. So if you have a thousand bucks and looking for a career change, uh, you can get into an EMT program. During that time, I realized I could also take fire one and two certification. Uh, once I graduated the EMT program, I took my fire one and two at Schoolcraft College. At that time, I eventually started working for a private ambulance company in the city of Detroit. Decided I wanted something more and I wanted more expectations for myself, so I became a paramedic. As soon as I became a paramedic, I started working for Livingston County EMS. Also had joined Brighton Fire. During my time, I worked my way up to a sergeant level. I gained more certifications for instructing, obtained my IC license so I could actually teach. Uh, opportunities came up, decided to grab the education specialist position when I could at Livingston County EMS. I now teach two high school EMT classes uh, along with ACLS, ITLS, AHA, BLS, stuff like that for our county uh, CEs. And as of last May, I finished my accounting degree through college. So you have a CPA? Uh, not CPA yet. I have my accounting bachelor's degree. I have to test for my CPA still. Okay. So you have an outside degree that uh, you use to supplement your career in EMS. Yeah, I kind of wanted to keep growing and have an option in case I ever decide that this isn't for me anymore and have a backup plan. And I decided accounting would be a good desk job to go sit at and get my, uh, save my back in the long run. Uh, so Ryan, uh, I want you to kind of just talk about your fire a little bit since you're kind of our firefighter uh, that we have here. Just kind of give us an idea of what you do and, and as a firefighter. So there's different options to get into firefighting uh, for those that are definitely interested. I uh, can go take fire one and two certificates for the state of Michigan. Could be broken down into a nine week academy. I took mine over two semesters since I was working uh, basically adult college night school at Schoolcraft College. Once you have that, uh, you need hazmat operations as well. You can join a fire department. Most of them require an EMS certification as well, which I already had, so I didn't have to go through the schooling. Once I joined Brighton Fire, I was able to do about four or five months of on-the-job training uh, to prepare me, get cleared, became a black helmet, worked up to get my engineer status, which is another course that you have to take through the department, put in hours and extra training to pump the trucks, and eventually moved up to ladder trucks then became a sergeant with company officer level training. 
Excellent. And are there options to go farther in your careers? Absolutely. I can keep rising, uh, look at different careers like fire prevention as fire marshal or fire inspector. Uh, training, obviously. I also have my Michigan Instructor 1 certification to teach fire courses, which I've been able to attain. Uh, so there, there is definitely different rounds all the way up to chief. So right now you act as a paid on call POC firefighter. Uh, are there opportunities for full-time? There's absolutely full-times either at my department, other departments throughout the state. There's volunteer departments still that take up the majority of this country, but uh, most of the time I'm lucky enough to be able to get paid for the time that I put in. Thank you. Uh, okay, my name is Corey. I'm a paramedic with Livingston County EMS. I started out in EMS in 2015. Uh, I left a moderately successful career in the restaurant industry. Uh, so that's three out of the four of us so far. Uh, to become uh, an EMT, uh, then after two years being an EMT, I went to paramedic school. Uh, realized that I was pretty good at it. Uh, started working for Livingston County about 30 days after I got my paramedic license uh, and realized that this is a place where I wanted to be. Uh, during that time, I have uh, completed the UMBC critical care course. Uh, so I'm a critical care paramedic and I'm currently enrolled in an instructor coordinator course as well as uh, a community paramedic course to just add more certifications on to my training. Uh, I'm also going to school for a bachelor's degree in health science as I'd like to take EMS to a further future of uh, a degreed profession. Uh, so after this, uh, we're going to take a, a second and we're going to just ask each of these guys a, a kind of a round table question and, uh, it's open to everybody. Just kind of answer how you feel. Um, there's no right or wrong answers. So the first question we're going to ask is, um, what are you curious about right now in your careers? Something that you're interested in, in your career that's cur that's, uh, making you curious. So for me, no. it's definitely community paramedic. I, I know in EMS, it's kind of the, the new, the new dog in the yard. Uh, community paramedicine um, it is a new stretch of the field of EMS. Um, I I'm interested in adding more skills to EMS. There are barriers to how we can apply that to communities um, due to the payment structures that exist right now. But it's definitely something that I'm interested in. And Andy is also a community paramedic. He has gone through the initial training for that. Um, at this time, there's no state licensure for that kind of level of training. Um, as, as similar to the critical care, there's no state licensure. It's just an additional training that we can do. Uh, Andy, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I actually am not a huge fan of the community paramedic thing going through it. I really want to see things going towards advanced practice paramedicine. I mean, I get the payment plan and, you know, as far as payment to hospitals, as far as with the community paramedic thing, and there is an important place for that, but what I want to see for paramedics is the advanced practice paramedic, the paramedics that bring blood products to the scene, the paramedics that do chest tubes out in the field that are just, you know, the next level up. You look at Canada and, you know, they take their critical care paramedics and that's just another level of paramedics to them, paramedicine that they deliver to uh, people pre-hospital wide yeah, and I, I would love to see us go towards something like that and I, I've always wanted to see you know a more 
bachelor's program with a scientific approach that would prepare people for their prereqs for either nursing, PA, or even medical school. Um, paramedic is something that I don't think we can do career long. I think, you know, at the age of 50, it's hard to be still on the road as a paramedic. Right. And well, you, very you, few... You've made a career out of it yourself by making choices to move yourself away from the road. And I've made choices, yes. Um, some have been good, some have been bad. So I think that kind of leads to where my opinion comes in is this field is 50 years old when we look at Nash Red Tree is currently celebrating their 50 year anniversary. Uh, it's still a newer field if you look at it compared to police and fire, nursing and everything else. But I would like for us to get to that next standard by setting ourselves up for success moving forward, creating more degree opportunities, which can allow us to advance and grow and provide better care and be more recognized as first responders. Fair enough. And Casey, uh, I mean, your field, uh, law enforcement is easily one of the oldest uh, professions that exists uh, compared to our profession in EMS where it's very new. Um, any thoughts on so on career progression, getting off of the road, things that, like that we were talking about, establishment? Um, yeah, so I mean, I was, I was very young when I got off the road. Um, I became a, it's called a trooper investigator. That's like a detective in training after like four and a, year, four and a half years on the road. Um, and that's pretty unique? Uh, every post in the state has it. There's some teams that have it, so it isn't, I wouldn't say it's unique. As far as only, only having four years in there? Uh, as a TI, I would say no. So you're eligible for stuff like that after a year and a half. Um, there's a lot of guys that jump to other teams like dope teams and, uh, some of the other major crime teams that we have, uh, fraud. Um, so they can do that after a year and a half on the road. Um, I chose to stay on the road in order to, uh, get more investigative experience. Um, our department is unique in the state of Michigan as well as throughout other state agencies where um, other troops do not pass on their investi or their reports to detectives. Um, they maintain their reports. They actually do all their own investigations, uh, whereas the norm is somebody goes out, takes the initial call, turns everything over to a detective in the morning. Um, so with that, I got, I got a ton of experience. Um, on the road, doing everything from uh, fraud, breaking and entering, armed robberies, homicides, uh, sexual assault, like the whole spectrum of everything. So um, that's kind of where I geared myself to. And then I kind of pushed uh, my lieutenant to, because um, at the time we didn't even have, um, at the time that I got the position, we didn't even have that position at our post. So I actually pushed him, pushed him to do it and uh, um, so that's kind of how I got it. I was a little bit pushy on my end. So, so sometimes you're gonna be a little. Okay. Uh, what do you, uh, gentlemen, wish you had known when you first started? And all three of us started off in uh, the restaurant industry, uh, and decided to take this uh, leap of faith, sort of, at different points of our life. Um, I've only been in EMS for five years. Ryan's been in EMS for ten years, and Andy's twenty-five. Uh, and my brother Casey's been a police officer, law enforcement officer, for almost seven years. Seven years. Six and a half years. So we're different, varied, uh, various points in our career. But uh, what do you wish you had known when you first started in this career? 
That was going to be so underappreciated. I mean, this job is customer service. I completely anticipated leaving a job of customer service uh, for another job that was going to be a little bit more rewarding. Uh, but as time put on more and more, I've realized how much more unappreciated we are compared to our peers and everybody else, our community. We're not as looked at as highly as the firefighters, as police officers, nurses. Uh, that was something that was completely unexpected when I got into this field. But I mean, it doesn't change my outlook on it. I still want to see this position grow, this career grow, and become something more so that way we can eventually achieve that goal of being recognized. Andy, what about you? Anything you wish you had known getting into this? Um, I wish I would have known that the promotional opportunities were few and far between. Um, you know, I, I knew about the hours, but I didn't know, you know, if I wanted to make money, I had to work a lot of overtime. And I think my biggest disappointment with that is that if we want to make it a professional type career, it's something that we need to strive towards being, you know, at our best for our shifts, not the old adage of earn money while sleeping type thing. It's, you know, we need to go to 36 hour work weeks and, you know, allow time for family, allow time to, you know, come in and give our best instead of having to work overtime to make ends meet. Similar to other healthcare professions like nursing. Like or, nursing. Okay. Casey, anything you'd like to add? Uh, something that, you know, you wish you had known when you started uh, in law enforcement? Um, God, that I would have started during like the third largest civil rights movement in the nation's history. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been nice. Um, it, it, like all jokes aside, I mean, for, for me in my career, uh, just, I, I don't want to say it's because I'm an educated person, but just because like I, the way that I treat people, I've never really had an issue dealing with that stuff. Um, but um, right now we're at a time where, I mean, I know you say you guys are underappreciated in the, in, in the industry, mm -hmm. uh, but we are far underappreciated in the public yeah, eye right now. Absolutely. We're, we're an all time mm -hmm. low. Um, luckily I'm in a position right now where even though people are like, just have absolute disdain for uniform, they still love us because of what we do on the homicide side, because you know, we're the first person they see when they go out to see whether their kid has been, you know, shot, right? We're the ones that got to hug mom. We're the ones we got to talk mom down. We got to talk family members down. So it's, uh, it's been nice um, in that aspect, um, just because I haven't had to deal with a lot of the frontline stuff. Um, but that would probably be that. Other than that, um, I would definitely say, um, I wish I understood um, how retirement systems worked. I think that's the biggest thing. Ours... We're, we're a unionized um, entity, so it, it going into it, um, I had no clue what I was getting into um, in terms of retirement. Uh, so even though I, I got a grasp on it now, I'm st I was still five years behind on the, uh, on the bell curve on, on what we needed to do in order to you know, have a, a decent standard of living after getting out of law enforcement, especially because of the, uh, you know, the low life expectancy, the high stress, the all that other stuff, so. I think that's something for me too, uh, as far as working in uh, EMS. Um, uh, I think fire systems tend to have a little better setup as far as uh, having end of career offerings um, in, in general, just due to the fact that they've fought for a very long time to have that kind of stuff. But in EMS, uh, the end of career retirement stuff is 
it's just not there right now. And it's just, it's not, you really have to put it on yourself. Uh, so I think in the beginning of this career, I wish I had maybe set myself up a little better off, uh, you know, five plus years ago. Um, I'm working on it now and I'm just five years behind and that's kind of something I'm, I'm five years longer on the road. Yeah. That's just it's more time. That's all it is. But do you think like when you look at the retirement plans, I mean, it's almost like you have to have, you know, a degree from MIT to figure out what I've got a multiplier of this, this and that. And it's like, okay, I do my 25 years and I'm out and I get paid how much? And it's like, oh, wait, that's really not that much. You know, mm-hmm. if you had a pension program, then if you have, you know, uh, defined uh, benefit, benefit contribution. defined contribution, you know, how much I put in, how much, yeah. and you're like, wow, yeah. I then you have it. your 457 for uh, public service or... You have uh, a Roth or a normal IRA and trying to figure out how to balance all those. And yeah, it's like a strange calculus that they nobody ever really teaches you. Should be part of the EMT program. Yeah, it really should. All right, guys. Um, last question for the day. Um, is there something that you failed at uh, either getting into the career, during your career, um, this is just something to give an idea to students in, in the future that, you know, we have made a lot, you know, people professionally make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that's a negative thing on your, your life path. So anything you fail that in your career where you think maybe you made just the wrong choice, uh, just give a quick, you know, expound on that a little bit. I'll go ahead. I, I mean, I think some of the important things I need to look back on is probably didn't put family first in my career a lot of the times and that you know hurt me with relationships and divorces in the past and I think the other thing is, is just you know I always look and went, okay where can I make more money at or where can, you know is this an, a money opportunity for me and I think if I would have just stayed where I was at I would have been happier but as far as my career, I look back, you know, even clinically, I've made mistakes on calls, but I don't regret anything that I've ever done clinically my whole career. I mean, so I think my mistake was failing on the plan that I had set up for myself, but it ended up being okay. Uh, I wanted to get into um, profiling and psychology when I was initially getting out of school, and that was my hope. And that fell through, so the server job came in place, which led me to EMS. But I was expecting that I looked at myself as failing because I didn't follow the plan that I had set forth for myself. But it got me to EMS, which got me a good career and able to provide for my family with lots of hours away from home. But been able to make it work still. So considering that I didn't meet the goals that I set for myself, I'm still okay with the outcome. So you had to alter your goals? Yeah, which, you know, I, I look bad at myself because you grew up with these, you know, anticipation of getting into certain colleges and, you know, you answer all these questions in high school, where do you see yourself in five, ten years? I had goals for myself, but I was not able to live up to them as I was hoping to. So I looked at myself as a failure, but, you know, today here I am with wife, kids, family, good friends, good house. So, you know, and a job I like doing. So even though I felt like I failed myself, I actually ended up being just as happy as I probably would have been. Jason? Uh, Career-wise, I would say um, probably my attitude towards the academy. Um, I had 11 and a half years uh, in the Army. 
Um, by the time I went to the academy, I had six or seven years um, already, and uh, I, uh, I I know what the games are. It's all game. It's all mind thing. It's not like it's not. It's real, but it's not. And I understood the reason for it. Um, but I was definitely probably less respectful to people because of things that they did uh, just because I had a very high standard set in my head for the state police and some of those people didn't meet those um, objectives in my head even though they met the objectives um, that were required of the academy Uh, so when I actually came out of the academy I had a stigma uh, throughout the department of being like a stuck up basically an asshole Um, and and that's kind of I had a sit down with a quite of the field training officers about my attitude and I had never met any of them. Um, and I kind of explained my side of the story and I get, they understood, but it still didn't help. And I still had to like, uh, you know, bust my ass to, to kind of prove to them that like, yep, I'm here because I deserve to be. And I'm I like, I'm not just, I'm not just an asshole. That part of me is there, but it's not just that, you know what I mean? So, and I think, I think that, um, my work ethic and everything helped me redeem myself, but it's still like, I mean, I, there's guys in my recruit school that still, I know they, they still have that stigma of me, even though it was, you know, almost seven years ago. Do you feel that made your training harder? Uh, no, the military made my training harder. So my FTO program lasted a lot longer than everybody else in my class because I always had to leave. Um, but I don't think so. Um, it, I think it added more stress to me. Personally, it was it was just it was made up stress. It was nothing that I think my FTOs um, I felt as though I was pretty competent, and I think they saw that too. So I didn't I didn't really have a lot of retraining. I didn't have a lot of stuff, and not to be cocky or confident, but um, a lot of what police work is is common sense, um, and and I think that I applied that quite well. Where they saw that I didn't need to be babysat, whereas some other people do. But um, I just I. It, I think it was just the added stress of going to work every day, going like, oh man, now I got to deal with this. And now I got to, what is this guy going to think? And because I had the military, I had a unique FTO program where I, I had a lot of FTOs. Um, I, I was, we have a, when I was in, we had a program where it was three FTOs. Um, and then you go back to your first one for the final phase. There's four phases. Um, and I ended up having like 13 because of the way everything shuffled around so that everybody else, instead of inconveniencing, everybody else because of me they just inconvenienced me so that everybody else had a traditional program um so every time i'm thinking all right this guy thinks like this guy thinks i'm a jerk because when i came out of the academy that's what everybody told me that i acted like so so yeah do you you feel like you mentally had to restart over every time you started with a new fto oh yeah i was super nervous every time because i I don't know how they act i don't know how they're going to grade um, I don't, and, and it's all, I mean, there, there's certain criteria you have to hit, but there's also the, there's that subjective point of view mm-hmm. from, from the FTO that you have to overcome. So I feel like I have a very similar mistake, uh, uh, that's been brought to my attention multiple times is, uh, I kind of shoot myself in the foot often in my career, uh, due to my own circumstantial, uh, ideology um i have a a certain moral and ethic deal that i i kind of make with myself and sometimes things go against that and i don't just uh i don't just play along with the organization to uh to get myself in a better position i kind of 
go the wrong direction sometimes. So I think I think I make mistakes like that pretty often. Um, that maybe push my career back a little little slower than I would hope to be moving forward. Um, the other big mistake that I think I made in my career is maybe not doing this sooner. I waited until I was almost 30 to start doing this. Um, I didn't start a uh, bachelor's degree program until I was in my 30s, and uh, I didn't start EMS until I was almost 30. Uh, I just kind of I, I made a late start by doing all kinds of other things before I, I decided to settle on something. So I think maybe that one might have been, you know, a small mistake for myself. Is this still where you want to settle? Uh, so settling isn't for me. I don't think that, you know, I don't think this is a settle. I think there's plenty of room for me to grow in EMS. And that's what I, I want right now. Um, I am working towards my bachelor's degree and all the other certifications. And I feel like I have an opportunity along with other professionals who are in the same mindset as me in EMS to show, like Andy was saying, uh, that with the correct background of education in a bachelor's degree in the sciences, uh, in the health sciences specifically, that we can take EMS to an advanced provider level, that we can become practitioners of healthcare, that we can become very similar to those PAs that are out there, um, uh, obviously those are master's degree programs, but you know, with a bachelor's degree, we can come kind of come on that same wavelength at, at the provider level. So that's, that's kind of my hope. All right, guys, anything else that I didn't ask that you want to just kind of jump in, uh, for students, anything out here that people should know about public safety? Um, just a quick thing, uh, it, like Ryan put on, it is public, public safety and public service is customer service, it's community service, it's it's all of those things. So I, I want to kind of reinforce that, that that's what public service is. It's working with the public and being a community servant and a public servant and, uh, you know, taking care of people. If you want to be appreciated, get into fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Firefighters yep. are the golden child. Yep. They Everybody are loves sure. firefighters. Uh, flight medics also. Let's also point out that flight medics do have kind of that top tier life. Tactical medics. No, no. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, actually something I always want to know about is, like, with MSP, do you have to, if you want promotions through MSP, do you have to leave the division that you're in? You know, I, I know from, like, local police, it seems like, you know, you become a detective, but then you get promoted to sergeant or lieutenant or something. Then you have to go back to the road, it seems like. Um, so, yes and no. So, um, for us, every position is... Um, basically posted as a new job. Um, if, if a transfer for the position, so outside of troopers, we'll just take troopers out of the mix um, just because everything that they want to do specialty-wise, they have to apply for. Literally, like, it's a brand-new job. It's a um, – there's a – Interview process. There's applications. You have to do memos. There's an interview process um, for every position that they want to do. Um, so – for me, I promoted into my current position. Uh, so I was working as the TI at the post. This spot came up, um, an inkster. Uh, it's, uh, it's a detective sergeant spot. So I actually applied, interviewed twice for this position, got it the second time, not the first time. Um, but every position is individually different. Um, so the majority of the time, the position for, for uh, sergeants and above uh, the position will come open for transfer. So it doesn't matter if you're on the road, if you're a detective, if you're in Lansing as an admin, um, if you're a sergeant, 
and you want that specific spot, let's say Marquette or Alpina or something like that, whoever has the most seniority as a sergeant gets that position. So um, for sergeants, our position, our seniority is based on our promotion date. Um, once that position goes and nobody wants to transfer into it, then it's open up to the troopers to promote into, and then it's that same process. Um, for lieutenants and above, um, there's the lateral transfer, again, by seniority. The difference is their seniority is based on recruit school. So somebody like me, if I were to, if I were to become a lieutenant um, now, it would be a very long time before I got any, I would be the lowest lieutenant for a very long time because I only have seven years in the department versus other lieutenants. I think the lowest right now has eight or nine, or nine or 10 now. So when he became a lieutenant, he only had eight or nine years in service. Um, it was a very specialized position. Um, he'd worked dope his whole career and it went over to um, like Dr. Dope, basically going after doctors for dope violations. Oh, but, or, or prescribing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, and then from that point to about captain, it it is like very HR based. And then from captain and above, it is all based on our um, our executive board. What's the least sought after lieutenant position then if you have the one to go up to? Is there something like you're like on the lowest in seniority, you know, would that be like going up to UP or is that like a sought after position? Uh, no, it is not. Um, so usually stuff like that at the post, it's going to be, you're from that area and that's, unless you're transferring, um, they're usually going to pick somebody that's from the area anyway. Um, just because you're going to be more qualified to handle that type of stuff. You'll be familiar with the surroundings, the resources, the, the yeah. population. Okay. The, the troops, yep. the sergeants, everything like that. The way the post operates. Um, so a transfer, it doesn't matter. It's all based on seniority. It doesn't matter who they want. Um, they can do that. But for uh, for in terms of least sought after, I mean, it really just depends on you. There's so many. And we have the largest department in the state. Yeah. Um, DPD has more sworn officers, um, but we have more overall department members. Um, so for us, there's so many opportunities that there's really, I mean, there's some, um, there's always like, if there's no bad position, if somebody's in a position that's decent and then all of a sudden they're in Lansing, um, and you didn't hear about it, it's not because a good thing happened. Usually... Uh like Lansing is considered bad boy time unless you knew they were going to that position. So hmm. that's kind of our thing. If you go to headquarters and, and nobody knew about it before, because the troopers know about everything before anybody. And if they don't know about it, then something bad happened. Hmm. All right, quick 30 seconds uh, for everybody. Give me an outlook for your career, for, for careers, um, what you think uh, the outlook will be in the future. Obviously, this is not a scientific, uh, you know, Bureau of uh, Jobs kind of thing. Just a quick idea of what... So, fire, Ryan? Fire's been fire. I think fire's kind of set themselves up. I think uh, growing into the field of uh, fire prevention is going to be something that's going to grow in the next few years and get more popular. Uh, so that way we can continue to prevent fires along with home sprinkler systems, uh, smoke alarm, stuff like that. I think prevention is going to be... Is our big bubble right now. So the sciences of prevention yeah. and things like cool. Yeah. Uh, Andy, uh, EMS, flight, uh, tactical, that kind of stuff. If we could get, you know, the EMS field going in the right direction, I think, you know, 
it can completely grow. I mean, I think we can work towards retirements, but I mean, I really would love to see the field grow as a career path and as high as you can think of going. So there's opportunity there. We're just not there yet. We're just not there yet. It takes the right people in the right positions. Reasonable. Casey, law enforcement. Uh, I think law enforcement. I think it's in trouble. Um, I think we're going to have a really hard time recruiting. Um, We're already having a hard time recruiting minorities. I know recruiting for women is up um, in terms of actually hiring and employing, but for minorities, I think we're going to have a hard time just with everything that's going on. I know there was a big spike in interest initially uh, when when the first Black Lives Matter uh, wave hit, Uh, but now with the second one, I know our interest is down significantly, uh, and that's across the board. That's white, black, Hispanic, everybody, just because how dangerous the job has become, uh, the intake on attacks on police, um, or the uptick in attacks on police, um, as well as the uptake in violent crime that has occurred in the last six months. Um, and the, the people's perception of the police with everything that's going on, um, with I, just everything. Do you think there's an opportunity for uh, um, some kind of change, culture change, uh, you know, whether it be uh, our country's culture, police culture or something, is there an opportunity for change there that may change that uh, direction? Um, I don't know. I think every police department has the uh, that thin blue line culture. Um, there's, a, there's a huge difference between um, what thin blue line means versus what people perceive it to mean. Sure. Um, it's not necessarily the us versus them. Uh, for us as law enforcement, the thin blue line means it's that, that thin line between the good and the bad, right? We, we walk that line kind of thing, right? That's, that's the, the connotation of it, not the us versus them. However, there are a lot of departments, there are a lot of large departments that have that us versus, men, us versus them mentality. Um, so that I think every police department has its own culture, right? And if you have a culture where aggressive policing is is sawn throughout such as the chicago police department um it it i think it reflects back to the community which also increases their violent tendencies towards the police towards other people stuff like that um it also diminishes the respect people have their police and the legitimacy that the police have so um i don't think our department has dealt with it quite as much um i know since since prior to the the Black Lives Matter, we've, we've been trying to push for minority hires. We've had, I think, more minority directors than any department probably in the nation. I mean, we had like four or five in a row in the last 25 years. So so diversification is a kind of a positive thing for you guys here? Yes and no. Right? The media spins everything. Um, we're still under the curve in terms of hitting those marks for... Um, are uh, where we need to be in order to um, reflect the population of Michigan. So, uh, but in terms of, I think, diversity in our management positions, I think we're a little bit ahead of the curve in that versus we are boots on the ground. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, spending some time to talk to us uh, and give these uh, students an opportunity to hear what real life work is like uh, in public safety, public service. Um, if you guys, uh, you know, have anything else to say, let me know. Otherwise, uh, thank you and have a great day. And uh, I, owe, I owe you guys a beer. <laughs>